You know, when I think about the sacrifice that many men and women have made through the years for our freedom, it kind of takes you back a little bit if you actually would process through it. I mean, the American Revolution wore 25,324 men and women. World War I, 116,516. World War II, 405,399. Vietnam War, 58,148. Korean War, 54,246. Gulf War, 148. Afghanistan, 1,140. Iraq War, 4,602. These men and women have given their lives for our freedom. But many times it's not just the individual that gives their life, but it's really the families and those who are back home. And so this morning I just want to take a brief moment and pray for those who have maybe even lost someone as of recent. Father, we thank you that you are a God who cares and cares deeply. You care for the brokenhearted and the wounded. You, pray, you care for those who are struggling. And Father, I pray this Memorial Day weekend, God, I pray that those who have lost a loved one, God, who's serving in the armed forces, I just pray, Lord, that you would just wrap your loving arms around them, that they would feel your embrace. God, I'm reminded of many in our own congregation who have lost a loved one this year, a parent, a spouse. Father, I pray that you, as only you can do, would comfort them. Father, I pray that as they remember, God, I pray that you would just continue to bind up the brokenhearted. God, that you would continue, God, to wrap your loving arms around them and that they would feel your embrace and know that you are with them that you are walking alongside of them. And Father, God, for those who know you, those who have had a relationship with you, Father, we so, so, so look forward to seeing them again. God, one day, God, standing face to face with you, our heavenly Savior, and seeing loved ones, God, who have gone on being there in those moments, God, brings a smile to our faces. We pray that you would be with us during the remainder of our gathering today. And God, that you would challenge our hearts. God, that you would open us up, God, to receive what you would desire to deposit into us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever met a true blue, like, all-in sports fan. Anyone ever, like, I mean, like, you've, you've met somebody who's, like, a crazy sports fan. Let me, maybe you should ask it this way. How many of you in this room are a crazy sports fan? Come on, go ahead. Put your hand up. Be proud. Yep, there are. I see oh, Gary's right down there. Gary loves, 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 loves tennis. It's his favorite sport <laughs> in the entire world. He loves tennis. Actually, sorry. No, he, 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 he likes a different sport. But uh, he's like, you're not even going to say it? Okay, he likes hockey. Some of you are hockey fans out there. 
You know, it's funny though, when you look at different fans, you find these different fans that are out there. Like, like here, here's a picture of a wrestling fan. This is, this is a picture of a wrestling fan right here. Um, he looks a little bit like Hulk Hogan a little bit, um, but it's not. It's, a, it's an actual fan right there. Here, here's another one. Uh, these are some golf fans. I didn't realize that fans dressed up like this for golf, but I literally Googled golf fans and pictures like this pulled up. I think it has to do with the Ryder Cup is what my understanding is. But uh, here we go. Here's another one. Uh, these are rugby fans. In fact, when I was searching fans, um, most of the pictures with women were either inappropriate or they were only rugby fans. And um, so here we go. Here's a basketball fan. Look at this guy. And this guy is, he is one, 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 one sharp guy right there. Here, some, here's, here's NASCAR fans, NASCAR fans. Now you may say, wait a minute, NASCAR fans are not, are, are not true sports, but I'm telling you, like any NASCAR fan out there will tell you, do you know how hard it is to sit in that car, in that position, in that heat, in that amount of, so anyways, we put them up here. So um, <laughs> here we go, soccer fans. Here's some, here's some soccer fan guys uh, right here. Uh, here we go, bowling fans. I did not know that there were bowling fans uh, that wore those on their heads, so that's pretty interesting. Here, here we go, the, uh, tennis fans. These are Gary's right here. Uh, I think these guys went to the Blue Man group probably the night before, got a little inspired, said, we could dress up like tennis balls on our heads. And uh, so they did that. Uh, here we go, football fans. Now, football fans are crazy. Um, this guy right here is a Denver Broncos fan. Um, there's not snow on the ground that we can see right there, but if you've ever been to a professional football uh, game, the fans are just crazy. And there's, there's a few places, like here we go, here's another one, another football fan, the Viking. Um, yeah. Man, like I wish you guys dressed up when you came to church like this. Um, here we go. But here, here's the thing, baseball fans. This guy right here, man, like, I don't even know how to describe what I'm picturing. Like, I would never open my shirt up, <laughs> let my big old belly hang out like that, and put Red Sox up. But he's, hey, he's a, he's a Red Sox fan. Those guys are crazy. And uh, uh, this, this last one right here is Gary, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I was looking for a, a Penguins fan because uh, Gary is a huge, huge Penguins hockey fan. I mean, like, through and through. And so I was talking with his wife and everything. I said, do you have any pictures of Gary at one of the previous sporting events? And uh, <laughs> Gary, you look good, bro. <laughs> you look good. That's not Gary, but it would be funny if it was. So... Fans. Here's what I know, though, about fans. There's a big difference between a fan and a follower. In fact, um, I, would, I would even premise it with this. There are a lot of fans who think they're in the game but have never played in the game. There's a lot of people who think that, that they're all in, but they've never, they've, never, they've never taken the ice, they've never taken the court, they've never taken the field. I mean, they're fans. They know everything about them. 
but they've never been in the game. They've never been at the practices. They've never, they've never been in those moments where they were working for each play and, and working to learn each and every uh, strategy that was out there. And see, you can cheer all day long. You can know all the stats. You can know exactly what you think needs to happen. I mean, I've seen them. I've sat in rooms where people are yelling at the screen, come on, what are you doing? I've sat around individuals, you know, especially guys who are like, man, if they would have just run this play, it would have been completely different. Boy, if I was coaching. If I was in the game. But here's what I know is that it takes time. It takes practice hits. It takes pitches. It takes putting in ice time. It takes dribbling exercises. You see, if, if you're not in the game, you're simply a fan. And there are a lot of fans that are in the stands. And it doesn't matter how loud, loud you cheer. You see, being a fan only goes so far and only goes so deep. You're not in the locker room during the celebrations or the moments of disappointment. You're not on the field day after day. The investment, as real as it is and as real as it may feel, only goes so far. So what is a fan? A fan, by definition, we're going to say is this, is an enthusiastic admirer. Do you know any fans? Know anyone who's a really enthusiastic admirer, someone who, who just, man, they just love it, but they're not in it. The question kind of hits me this morning is, is this, is are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? See, I've, uh, I've been in ministry for 20 years. I grew up in the church, so I've been a part of the church culture Man, since I can remember. And along the way, I have seen a ton of fans of Jesus. In fact, in many ways, I've seen a lot of people who know all the stats. They know all you know, the scripture verses. They, they, they're really great at Bible sword drills. If you don't know what that is, you didn't grow up in church. But Bible sword drills, man, man, you know, someone would say, you know, Leviticus 4 first person to get to Leviticus 4, stand to their feet, begin reading, you are the winner. Sword drills. A lot of us would say, well, aren't we all followers of Jesus, right? Isn't that why we're here? I mean, I'm not here because I'm just a fan, but before you jump to that conclusion, let's answer some questions. You see, fans act differently than followers. Followers are in the game. Followers are, are giving up their time, their energy, their investment. They say, man, this is, I'm in it. I feel it. They're taking the hits. They're putting the practice time in. And we can all be fans of different things, but when we look at the life of Jesus, what we see is Jesus wasn't really all that excited about a bunch of fans. In fact, most of the time, if the fans were around, he'd, he'd kind of share a little bit with them, but then he would then go and kind of go off to a desolate place. He would, he would kind of try to leave the crowds. Jesus wasn't into having a bunch of fans. He wanted followers. So he grabs 12, and he pulls them by his side, and he begins pouring into them. This past week, I was, had the privilege of 
being the commencement speaker at LCS for their graduation. And I was sharing about this idea of being a hero maker and how Jesus has always been someone who is making heroes rather than being the hero. He grabs 12, brings them around him. From the 12, he grabs 72, brings them around him, and he always is sending them out. Go do the work. He's basically saying, listen, I don't need you to be a fan of me. I need you to be a follower. I don't need you just to, just to know and think, you know, well, they, yeah, that's exactly how things, no, no. He needs you and I to be followers. So how do we define it? Well, we've said it's an enthusiastic admirer. And if fans aren't that important to Jesus, then what happens? Here's what I've seen. I've seen a lot of people become fans. Now, please, please, before you hear my heart on this, I'm not trying to be condemning. I'm not trying to, to, to make people feel like, oh, Jiminy Cricket. I just want us just to simply answer the question, are you a fan or follower of Jesus? And if you answer the question, you realize as the series goes on that, that maybe you have a little bit more fan-type qualities, then why not just be a follower? Why not jump all in? Why not say, man, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus rather than just a fan? See, here's what I know about fans of, of Jesus, and, and, and we'll just kind of walk through this. Like, let's just say that you're a fan of Bethany. You're a fan of Jesus, and you, and you come to Bethany. Here, here's what fans do. They drop their kids off at Bethany Kids, and they pray that, that the workers down there will straighten up their kids and fix all their problems, <laughs> but never serve themselves. Fans are, are really good at grabbing a cup of coffee, good coffee, may I add, and getting upset if it's not filled, if things aren't quite right, if they have to walk from the foyer area now back to the event center. Those are some fans, but never surf. Fans are, are individuals who sit down in the seats, and, and when the music is the way that we like it and the style is the way that we like it, we go, hey, that right there was so good. But the week that it's not how we like it, fans say, the worship isn't even anointed. It's not even how I like it. See, fans do this. They, they chat with their friends. They hang out, but they never invite others in. Fans give very little, definitely not a tithe, because they say things like this, well, God knows my heart. They applaud at certain times, they laugh, and then they leave thinking somehow that as a fan, they checked it off the list. We get in the car, we drive home, and we evaluate the message. And we kind of give it either a, thumbs up, uh, or a <laughs> And then we come back the next week and we do the same thing again. Never thinking of how we could get in the game, never thinking of how we could actually be involved and really get into it. In fact, here's what I would say. I would say we have some really big fans. I mean, you know, you know a lot. You know all the songs, well, maybe not all the new songs, the old ones. You're big fans of Jesus, and being a big fan feels pretty good. But the truth of it is, is Jesus isn't looking just for fans. He's looking for followers. 
In fact, he didn't give his life up and pay for our sins on the cross so that we could just be fans of him. No, he died on the cross bearing the wrath of God upon himself so that you and I could be followers of him, so that we could be down in the field, in the game, playing week after week, day after day, hour by hour. See, Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says this, and it clearly lays out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. But we don't like that, do we? <laughs> we're, not, we're not real big fans of that. Wait a minute. Deny myself? <laughs> take up a cross? Come on, like that, that's an instrument of pain, of suffering. No, no, no. Daily? I mean, maybe once a week. I love how the message translation puts it. It, it says this. It says, then he told them that they could expect what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to find yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? Think about that for a minute. What is Jesus doing here in Luke chapter 9? Can I tell you what he's doing? He's, he's, he's having what I would call a DTR moment. Do you guys know what a DTR moment is? A DTR moment is, is where you define the relationship. This is like when Kasha and I, when we first met each other, I told her I was going to marry her on our first date. I defined the relationship. Now, Kasha thought I was crazy. She pushed me away, and for three months... Three months, I pursued her, and she was pushing back. Now, honestly, it was because I defined the relationship way too soon and way too quick. We've told Jordan, listen, sweetie, if a guy ever comes to you and on the first date says, I'm going to marry you, you never take a second date. You run the other way. But I had a DTR moment, and that DTR moment scared Kasha off. Honestly, it did. I, I recognize that today, some of you can be scared by a DTR moment. A moment where we say, are you a fan or are you a follower? A moment where you are faced with some of these questions that Jesus is asking us to answer, and he's saying, listen, if you will follow me, then you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross daily. What Jesus was having was a DTR moment. The DTR talk. He was saying, listen, are you ready to go to a different level of commitment? In fact, some of the DTR moments that Jesus had with some, they were like, uh-uh. It's like when the rich young ruler came to him and was like, what do I got to do to follow you? I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done that. And Jesus is like, those are great. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. And then follow me. The guy was having a DTR moment with Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, this is what you need to do. And the guy was like, ah, oh, it's just too much. And he didn't follow him. Are you ready to move past the casual 
past the convenient and into something a little more devoted, something a little more committed. I know many of us in this room today are are following Jesus. Many of us love what's happening and we go all in. I think of Antonio. If you don't know Antonio, many times you probably wouldn't see him, but Antonio serves here at Bethany faithfully week after week. He's all in. He's a follower. He'll come up and encourage me every time he sees me. I'll see him out there watering flowers outside of my office during the week. He comes in and serves, works security, is doing all these different pieces. Anything you need from the guy, he's all in. He talks about the message and what God's doing in his life. He's a follower. You can see it in him. You can see it in his heart. Here's what I want to do. I want to look at a passage of Scripture real quick. It's found in Acts chapter 5, so if you have your Bibles, you can open up there. But it's a passage of Scripture where some individuals are being surrounded by some who are fans and some who are followers. And before we read this, please let me, know, let me kind of preface this for you for a moment. This is one of those passages of Scripture where you go, that seems a little harsh. But I'm telling you, in this moment, what you're going to read and what you're going to see is that is that Jesus is looking for people who will be followers, not just fans. It says this in Acts chapter 5, verse 1. It says, a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. Now that's not that big of a deal, right? But here's what it says. It says, kept back some of the price for himself. And with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? Now, this is one of those moments, if you don't understand the whole context of it, you would read that and you would go, this, is, this seems a little harsh. Why, is he, why can't he hold back part of it? But here's the thing. During that time, all the people were putting all their possessions together so that there was no need among them. I mean, everyone. People would just bring all their possessions, put it into one big lump, and, and all the needs of the people were being taken care of. And Ananias and Sapphira were presenting that that is what they had done. So they were living a lie out, and they're basically coming in and saying, yeah, 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 that's that's everything. That's the whole works. It says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And here's where it gets a little crazy. This is where you go, whoa. Like, Jesus, a little extreme here, bro. Like, God, like, what's going on in this moment right here? It says this. As he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. Wow. So Peter's like, Ananias, is, is, this, is this everything? Yeah, yeah, that's everything. Really? Shares a little bit more. Did you not have it under control? Did you not? All these different things. And, and was he saying that because Ananias needed to hear that? No. What he was saying it for was so that the people around him could hear it. He wanted everyone else to hear, hey, Ananias, 
Listen, God knows your heart. He knows what's going on. Listen up. Everybody else, listen up. And look what the scripture says. He fell down and breathed his last. And then it says this, and great fear came over all who heard of it. You think? <laughs> How many of you, if someone came in to church and they, they were like, Pastor Brian, like, hey, we, we're, we're giving this gift to the Lord, and, and all I did, is that, is that it? Yeah, we're giving it all. Look at us. We're giving everything we have. We're giving it to the Lord. That's awesome. Everyone around is probably like, whoa, what? Yeah, what? That's awesome. But all of a sudden, like, the Holy Spirit just gave me discernment in that moment. I'm like, whoa. You sure that's it? And they're like, that's everything. And they die. How many think that would be a little freaky? How many think you'd be like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to Bethany next week? Because <laughs> people in that place dying <laughs> for being fans. But before we think it's just the extreme, we have to look at the context and look at what God is trying to teach. It says the young man got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now, they're ellipsed, or... <laughs> Eclipsed, uh, no, elapsed. <laughs> I can't spell right now. Sorry. An interval, sorry, go back to boom, Brian, focus. An interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, and not knowing what had happened, Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that's the price. And Peter said to her, why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young man came in, found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. Basically, people saying, I'm a big fan and pretending to be a follower. Three questions that we can pull from this text today that I think will help us answering that first question that I asked in the beginning. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Here's the first question is, why are you here? See, when you read through the Gospels, Jesus at different points in his ministry would draw a line in the sand and he would separate the fans from the followers. Here in Acts, once again, we see him drawing the line in the sand. It says in verse 1, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, kept back for the price of himself with his wife's full knowledge, and bringing a portion of it laid at the apostles' feet. See, what happened in this moment was they were coming, they were a part of the whole group because they wanted fame. They wanted recognition. They wanted people to say, wow, look at you. That's amazing. Man, they must give so much. Look how, look how sold out for Jesus they are. But the reality of it is, is Ananias and Sapphira were not fully invested. They were fans in the stadium cheering and looking down. But when it came to it, they wanted the recognition, but they didn't want the full cost. It's like a fan who wants to be on the team, but isn't willing to come to the practices or put in the time like he needs to. See, Jesus in the height of his ministry in John chapter 6 encounters a bunch of fans, so many different fans, 
He's popular, Jesus is. He's working miracles. He's providing food for people from just five loaves and two fish. I mean, like, like people are like talking about Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus in verse 2 realizes why they're coming. And in verse 2, he, it says this, they're coming because of the miracles. We just came off of a series called Miracles, and I was thinking about that. I was like, man, I know that you know, the church kind of began to naturally grow during that time, but can I just encourage you, don't just be a fan, be a follower. Don't just be looking for the, the touch of Jesus on your life and, and never change anything else. Well, I just need this healing. If he'll heal me here, then it's okay. I can go act like the, however I want to. The main reason the crowds were showing up is because of the spectacle. They didn't care so much about the teaching, about the life change. They were there for the show. So why are you here? Someone drag you here? Is it because it's a Pentecostal church and you're hoping you'll get to see something really cool? Is it because you love the free coffee? Is it because you think the seats are actually a little more comfortable than old pews? Is it because you really like the music? Is it because your friends come and you love the social conversations? Is it because your kids can make friends easier here at church than at school? What's your why? What's your because? I mean, it's great for a while, but at some point there has to be a DTR moment. And I understand some of you are like, dude, it's my first Sunday here, Pastor Brian. Like, seriously, first time, and this is what you're giving me? No. <laughs> I'm not trying to be like the crazy guy who has the defining moment the first date. I've learned. It takes a little bit of time. So if you're here today and you're just starting your relationship with Christ, or maybe you're just exploring, it's okay. Just sit back and explore. But there's some of us who have been here a long time. We've been great fans. My question is, is are you a fan or are you a follower? In verse 66 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus challenges the fans to a deeper, more intimate relationship with him says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Why? Because Jesus was having a DTR moment with them. In fact, uh, scriptures tell us that he was like, you know, if anyone is not willing to eat of my, of my flesh and drink of my blood. And, and now, today, we instantly think, is Jesus a vampire? <laughs> like, is he like into that kind of stuff? No, that's not what he was talking about. But some of those who were fans were like, dude, that's offensive. Like, are you serious? Drink of his blood, eat of his flesh. That is not me. I'm not that way. I'm a vegan. <laughs> they were fans, not followers. In our passage back here in Acts, the church is being weeded out. Could you imagine the people talking after this happens with Ananias and Sapphira? I mean, the scriptures tell us great fear came over the whole church <laughs> and all who heard of these things. Yeah, people were talking. And you know what happens? People begin questioning their motives and start searching their hearts. So when I was a young man, I remember being at a retreat and there was a pastor by the name of Sam Farina. He was an evangelist. He's actually a good friend of mine now. And... Um, 
has done a lot of coaching with me and poured into my life, and it's, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a fantastic relationship that him and I have, but, but when I was a young teenager, that, that was not there. All I knew is Sam Farina was this fiery preacher guy that would just, and so he's up there, and he is preaching away, and just like, ah, oh, and, and we're all like, whoa, like, this guy's intense, and all of a sudden, his intensity just drops down, and he just pauses for a moment, and he looks at all of us. If, you, if you've ever known Sam Farina, he does this thing where he, he'll just be like, are you hearing me? Come on now. He does this whole thing, but that wasn't the moment for him. This moment was a moment where he just stopped, and it, it was like he was peering into your soul, it felt like. Ever been in that moment where it felt like the pastor was looking right at you? That's how I felt in that moment, and he's sitting there, and, and all of a sudden there was another young man in front of us. His name was Jason. And I'll never forget Sam turning and looking at him. He says, young man, you are dealing with the spirit of pornography and lust in your life. And he says, what, you, what no one else around you knows is, and he just, I mean, just reads his mail. Like, going into all of like, these sin and all this stuff and, talks through all these different pieces, he even talks about some of his suicidal stuff that he had been dealing with. Like his father, what, what Sam did not know, because I've asked Sam, Sam did not know that that young man had lost his father to suicide. I mean, he's, I mean like he is reading his mail, all these pornography, lust, boom, sin, all these other different things, you know, suicidal thoughts, yada, 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 all this stuff. He's just reading his mail, and Jason, we're all like, and Jason just begins weeping and runs to the altar. Do you know what happened at that retreat? I'll tell you, this, is, this was me. I'm in the back of the room, and I'm sitting there like, Jesus, please, I just confess every sin, God, every little <laughs> sin, like every sin, like this sin and this sin and this sin. Please, God, do not tell Sam Farina my sins. Please, Lord, please. I'm not joking, straight up in the back of that retreat, I was just like, every sin, because there, you know what happened? Great fear had fallen in that room. And I remember the Holy Spirit hitting me in that moment. I remember tears coming down my face, and I remember going to the altar. Does it always work that way? No. But I wonder if DTR moments, if they happened more, I wonder what would happen with us. Second question is this. Are you all in? Verse 3 says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? To keep back some of the price of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? After it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. See, here's what I know. Being a follower of Jesus requires complete commitment. A follower of Jesus is someone who says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to follow Jesus. They're absolutely loyal. They're completely committed. They put everything down on the table. They don't hold anything back. But I think what happens many times is we have bought into this idea that we can just be fans. 
Be in the stands cheering. Yes, yes, I'm on the team. Rah, rah, rah. Have you ever seen people, like they literally, fans go into depression when their team loses? And I'm like, how are you allowing your life to be dictated by a sports team? And I know some of you, that happens, so please don't be offended. I'm just, I just don't get it. I'm just a fan. I'm not, a, I'm not on the field. Now, when I've played sports and I lose in the sports game, yes, it affects me. I'm like, man, if I'd have done this, I'd have done that. See, being a follower of Jesus requires that complete commitment. We can't just have selective commitment. Simply put, here's what I'll say. This this is an easy way to put it. Stop customizing your Christianity. Stop customizing it. Well, I like this part, but I don't like this. I like this. you, You treat it like you're going to Burger King. Like you're ordering a burger. Okay, Jesus, uh, yeah, I'll I'll take, I'll take a little bit of, I'll take a little bit of offering. Definitely not tithe. Uh, I'll take a little bit of serving. Definitely not, not, not like, not too much, because you know, you know. It's not that way. It's not this customized Christianity. Oftentimes, we look at our relationship with Jesus and we say things like this: I'm going to follow Jesus, yeah, but I'm going to kind of pick and choose which areas. Yeah, I'll follow Jesus in this, but when he asks us to forgive that person that hurt us, oh, not that. No, no, no. You, you don't know how deep that pain goes. Let go of resentment. Uh, no, 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 I can't do that. Let go of bitterness. No, 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 no. Give money to the work of God. No, I work hard for that. Abstain from sexual desires. No, I, I can't help it. It's the animalistic nature of me. No, you're not an animal. So here's what I see a lot of people who are fans, not followers. There's no option of selective commitment. There's no possibility of just like, well, maybe this one and that. There's no bargaining. There's no, there's no bartering. There's no finagling. When you decide to become a follower of Christ, you've got to go all in. See, fans don't like the idea of going all in. They're not real wild about making sacrifices, having to deny themselves, give up something they crave. So in the defining the relationship moment, we've asked these questions. Why are you here? And are you all in? And here's the third one. Have you made it your own? Have you made it your own? Verse 7 says this, Now they eclipsed the time, an interval of about three hours, and the wife came in not knowing what happened, and Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to death? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet, breathed her last, and the young man came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Listen, see, with God, there really is no riding the fence. The scriptures say with her full knowledge, she went along with her husband. Thinking it would be okay. Thinking it would all work out. Thinking, oh, we can get the recognition without the full cost. Some of us are sitting here today because someone invited us. Maybe it's because your spouse did or your mom did. Maybe you came because your girlfriend likes it here at church. And you're like, man, I got to get here because I get to see her. 
See, growing up in the church as a kid, I knew a lot about God. But there were times throughout my relationship with Jesus that were DTR moments. Moments where God was looking at me and saying, Brian, you ready to define the relationship? Brian, are you ready to stop just being a fan? Are you ready to go deeper? Brian, are you ready to to see some things and experience some things? See, some of us, we sit here and go, man, if, if I would see this and see this and see that, then I would go all in. But the reality of it is, is you're not going to see this and see that without going all in. You're going to experience things that you will look back at in life and you'll go, man, I cannot believe what God has done in my life. I was talking with, yeah, you can give a big clap for that one. Come on. In fact, let me just pick on her for a minute. Devin, Devin, where are you? I, I hear you. There she is right there. If you would have known Devin, as I'm told, prior to knowing Jesus, and you know her now, you would say that is not the same person. Is that right? Devin um, is one of those people who has experienced parts of Jesus and, and pieces of Jesus, and, and it, for her, it's Please don't, I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but it seems like it's like a drug almost for you. Devin is addicted to Jesus. Devin, Devin talks about Jesus. She's addicted to him. Like, I love, I love seeing it in her worship. Her husband is, uh, Joel, is one of the board members here at Bethany. I just, I love being around them because, because what exudes out of her is someone who says, you know what, I'm not going to be a fan of Jesus. I'm going to be a follower. I'm willing to go all in. That doesn't mean it's perfect. doesn't mean she does it always right. She, she does blow it sometimes, Joel tells us. <laughs> but she has decided to be a follower of Jesus, not just a fan. And it's changed her life. Remember in Luke it said if anyone... Chapter 9, it was talking about if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sister, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, here's another DTR moment that makes you just go, what? What? Jesus, I'm not understanding this. Okay, I understand in verse 9, you said, if anyone's going to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Okay, I get that. But now, now here in Luke chapter 14, a few verses later, you're saying, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, his mother, and his wife, and his children, and brothers, and sister, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That does not make sense, because a few verses earlier, you said that we are to love one another. Jesus, what are you saying? This is confusing, Jesus. Jesus, I'm not understanding this. I don't understand this DTR moment. I don't understand what you're trying to say to me in this moment. Here's what I believe Jesus is trying to say in that moment. When the scriptures say, thou shalt have no other gods before you, me, he is saying, listen, some of you are great fans the reality of it is, is you love your kids, and you love your spouse, and you love yourself more than you love God. And what Jesus is asking for is people who will love each other, but will love him first. 
here's what I've seen in the church as of recent. Not just Bethany, just the church as a whole. We've put so much emphasis on family and on family time and on family things that we've allowed a new God to raise up in our lives. It's called the God of family. It's the thing you give all your time to, all your energy to. It's the thing that always causes you to step back when someone says, hey, are you willing to help with this? Oh, I don't know if I can help with that. Well, why can't you help with that? Well, it's just I can't because I've got family things to do. Because you know God doesn't want us to, to, to not have our family, you know, not to have that family time. God, God, God would never ask us to do that. But what God really is saying to you and I is saying, listen, is that more important than me? See, Ananias and Sapphira were fans, and it cost them their life. The DTR moment today is this. Why are you here? Why are you here? Are you all in? Are you willing to go all in for Jesus? And the third is this, is have you made it your own? You will stand before God one day, and in that moment... Just because your mom went to church, just because your spouse went to church, just because your kids went to church, just because those moments happened, just because they had a relationship with Jesus, you're not going to stand with God and say, well, my mama knew him. Uh, my, my kids, you know, like, it's going to be you. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Are you a fan or are you a follower? Simple question. In the next few weeks, we're going to continue exploring this. And I know it may seem a little heavy this morning, but, but my prayer is this. Is that today you would allow the Spirit of God to really begin to soften your heart. And so let me pray for you. Father, I know that across this room, God, are many people who really, truly love you. In fact, I would say this, God, that inside of each and every one of us, God, is, is a desire to love you more. But some of us have bought into these ideas that it's okay just to be a fan. But I pray today, God, as we have started to unpack this question, I pray, God, that you truly would take us from being just fans to followers. God, I'll start it off. There's some areas in my own life, Father, that I know, and even as I was preparing for this message, that you were speaking to me and saying, Brian, you're more of a fan in that area of your life than you are a follower. So, Father, I start things off and I say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God, for just cheering from the sidelines. God, you've shown me some of those areas and I, and I repent, God, I'm sorry for those, those moments and I know, God, that you love me. But God, I pray that it will be in those moments, God, that you'll continue to draw me closer to you. God, that truly in my own life, God, that I will go from being a fan in certain areas to being a follower. And God, I pray for every person here, God, that you would speak to their hearts and their lives. 
God, that even this week as we wrestle through just the simple question, am I a fan or am I a follower? I pray, God, that instead of allowing offense or bitterness or, or, or resentment to rise up inside of us, God, from a simple question being asked, I pray that what would rise up inside of us would be a spirit and a heart that says, I'm going to explore what this would mean in my life. I'm going to answer the question because I want to be a follower of Jesus, not just a fan. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, our lives, in these moments, in these times. Because you're a faithful God who sees us right where we are. So walk with us each and every step of the way this week. God, tomorrow as we're gathered with many of us family and friends and Memorial Day taking time off, I pray, God, that we would remember, God, the sacrifice that you paid for us, giving of your life, so that we could truly be followers of you not just fans. In Jesus' name, amen.